Welcome to Apostolic Anthesis. I'm Joshua Arendt, and I'm here with our wonderful co-host, Jody Thomas. Hello. And today, well, last episode, we kind of said we would conclude uh, and then be pick up today with stolen sacrifices, but there's just been some things that have taken place in the apostolic community and outside of that, really, in our own life um, and in our church life that's kind of made us just shift our scheduling a little bit and so we've kind of put stolen sacrifices on hold, and instead we have bumped up a topic that we've really been wanting to talk about. It's been on our hearts, but we're just we just feel that we need to get to it, and it's going to be mental health. So we've kind of made some adjustments there. Before we begin, though, we do want to tell you about another amazing apostolic podcast called Apostolic Truth Today. It is hosted by Derek McGee. And this is a podcast that dives deep into life-changing biblical truths and not only talks about those truths, but also covers how to facilitate change in your life using these truths. So go check it out. We would appreciate it. Derek would appreciate it. Give him a like, a subscribe. It's Apostolic Truth Today on all of your usual major podcast platforms. So mental health as Pastor Artie stated this was something we had on our list of topics to discuss this season, but just in the last week have really felt it needed to be moved up on the list. It was just recently that there was an apostolic woman, a pastor's wife, who passed away, and that news hit social media, and it was being talked about, and while it wasn't specifically said that she died by suicide or anything like that, based on the many, many posts and comments around the news of her death and the topic of depression and mental health, it was pretty much a given that the circumstances around her death did involve a mental health issue. That's tragic, too. It is very tragic. It's tragic for anybody. Um, I think it's a, it really hits home you know, with me being a pastor and then a pastor's wife and how people are viewed in that position. So it's devastating to many, many, many people. It is. And me personally, that is two pastor's wives and a little over three years that I've heard about that have died under those same or similar circumstances. And I'm sure that there are more because unfortunately, and one of the reasons for this particular episode of the podcast, mental health is something that no one seems to be talking about in sure. the church. There is a stigma in our movement, and I'm sure it's not just the you know our movement as the UPC Apostolic Organization, but across the religious world as a whole. Oh, it's been viewed as kind of taboo mm -hmm. to even talk about it. Even, right. Even one-on-one right. -on -one and in confidentiality, people have been embarrassed or they feel ashamed or they feel something, right. you know, we know that something's wrong, but, but they feel like something's wrong with them. That, right. That they're know, not to the level of Christian, you know, they're not the Christian they should be. Exactly. Exactly. And so when mental health goes unaddressed, then what happened to these two pastor's wives, sadly, is often a result. And we were looking at, you know, preparing for this podcast, and I saw some really sobering statistics, and granted, these are from 2018, but I'm going to make a pretty good guess that these numbers have not gone down since then. And they are statistics as they relate to mental health um, in our church, in the church. 
First off, 25% of the U.S. population, that is one in four adults, are suffering from a diagnosable mental health issue every year. One in four. That means these people are in your church. They're in our churches. For example, a church of 100 people has, at minimum, 25 of those people dealing with a mental health issue. Let me just jump in. I would, I'm telling you, in my own church, in my own experience pastoring, that number is probably higher. And talking with I other pastors, uh, mental health is, it's not just seeing people. Like, I know we mentioned a couple podcast episodes before, but mental health isn't just seeing people with, with Down syndrome or mm. uh, cerebral palsy. Mental health is anxiety, depression, um, things that sometimes you can't see. So when you when you look across the congregation, or you're standing in the hallway or fellowship, you know, hall talking with people, sometimes they can carry on a perfectly fine, normal conversation, right. and you cannot detect the mental health issues going on because people are fabulous at hiding it. Right, yeah. putting on a, a facade. Yep. And I think it would be very difficult to get true and accurate stats because of the embarrassment. Just Absolutely. Being wanting to keep your stuff private, you know, and not filling out. So I don't know. I think that stat is going to be higher, actually. I would agree with that. I, I do think one out of four is is very conservative. 23% of pastors, and this is, again, across just the religious world, not not specific to any denomination or organization, 23% of pastors say that they themselves personally have struggled with mental health. 49% of pastors say that they rarely or never speak to their congregations about mental health, which I find sad. That's, yeah, 49% of pastors. Everybody wants to put on um, a front that if you're in leadership, especially being a pastor, where you're supposed to uh, be close to Jesus and right. have <laughs> yeah. uh, a very high barometer of faith in your life, that I think the expectations that are on these people are, number one, very unrealistic right, and almost impossible to uphold. Um, so... Yeah, I agree with that. It Nobody wants to talk about mental health in the leadership or pastoral world, but that is changing. I will say that is changing for the better. I know with the ABLE ministry here in our own personal life, we are starting to make some make up some ground here where, where people are becoming open to having a talk about this. So well, it is and, changing. And I think, too, not just pastors speaking openly about their own mental health, but just, um, you know, opening the door to allow it to become a topic that's okay to be talked about. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. If it's never addressed, never spoken, never even broached, the topic's never broached, then people aren't going to speak about it. Yep. You know, if they don't feel that there's an, an open door. 65% of church going people that are affected by mental illness, either themselves personally or family members, 65% of those people wish that their church would talk openly about mental health. See, and this this proves this shows what I what I feel. I feel that every single church in the world just like they have an outreach department, just like they have a youth department, right. um uh, just like they have a music department, they need to have uh, a special needs or mental health department. 
Every church needs this because I believe every church has people sitting in their pews that are affected by mental health issues. And if they're not directly affected, they are... They know someone. Yeah, they are secondhand affected. Somebody in the family, a a friend, a neighbor. It is too widespread in the day we live in. And I believe it's time for churches to really start having this topic of discussion with the people and among their leadership teams. And I think pastors need to talk to pastors about it. I yep. think it needs to go all the way up the, the chain of command to the top. And organizations need to implement this immediately if they don't. There needs to be a transparency there. Absolutely. And yep. this last statistic, which I also find really disheartening as well, only 27% of our churches have an active plan to assist families with mental illness. You know, we put a lot, like you just said, we put a lot of programs in place, you know, outreach departments and youth departments and, you know, let's win the loss, let's win new souls and let's, you know, all the rah-rah, but you're going to get people that are struggling with mental illness. If you don't think you have them already, you're going to get them and you need to have an active plan in place to to assist families that are st- that are struggling with it, that are dealing with that. I a thousand percent agree. I just, I just was told that a, a mom, not in our church, but across town at a neighboring church, she has mental illness in her family. And one of her complaints was that her church does not have support groups or any aid available to assist these kind of needs. And it's a decent sized church. And that's where we need to start breaking down these barriers, start breaking through these walls and start having a discussion because the needs in mental illness are, are superior to a lot of other needs. I mean, we'll do clothes drives. We'll do canned food drives. We'll, we'll do needs like that, right? People that are hurting for money. Right. But I would, I would argue that mental health needs is just as important, if not greater than financial needs. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of families that have money that are falling apart and ending in divorce because of mental health issues. Mm-hmm. And what good is 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 the money and the food and the clothes if your family is being torn out from the heart out? Right. You know, the heart outward. Right. It's just as you can probably tell I'm passionate about this and I'm actively involved in mental health departments within our church mm-hmm. and our community. So it's, it's just a shame that 27% of the churches have an active plan. That needs to be at 100% of our churches. that means 73% do not. Right. Many often make the mistake when they hear the words mental illness, they interpret that, that as, you know, the quote-unquote big ones that come to, come to mind easily, schizophrenia, the bipolar disorders, PTSD, things like that, that where, you know, people are being hospitalized or they have violent tendencies and you know the the big stuff but mental illness is a is actually a broad term that is used to describe a variety of disorders that affect our thinking our behavior how we feel our mood social interaction things like anxiety depression obsessive compulsive disorder OCD attention deficit disorder, ADD, things like that, that are not necessarily, they're not violent. They're not split personalities like we think of, oh, you know, they're mentally unstable. 
mental illness covers a broad spectrum of disorders. Sure. And it's not a fringe experience that should be swept under the rug or ignored. Because remember, one out of four people, and like you mentioned, probably higher than that, one out of four people are struggling with it. Mm-hmm. As news, we mentioned earlier, this apostolic pastor's wife, as news of her death made the rounds on social media, there was a very obvious theme in the comments that I I, I saw myself about how no one ever wants to speak up and admit they have a problem or that they're struggling. And I think we have created this mentality in our movement that if you do suffer from depression or anxiety, for example, then are you really as close to God as you claim to be? Yeah. If you are so spiritual, then why are you struggling with this? You shouldn't struggle with this. And I I read today a blog from a woman who was in her early 30s And she was writing this about her struggles with mental illness. And she's grown up in, in a Christian church. Um, And she talked about how all through her teens and her early twenties, she suffered with major depression. And when she would approach and try to reach out to her church leadership, she was given questions like, well, have you really prayed about it? Have you really turned it over to the Lord and just let him work it out? And one of the things she was told that really struck me and just was so frustrating is she was told that mental illness is a sign of spiritual immaturity. See, that kind of statement right there can really just ruffle my feathers because there is a case, sure, that mental illness would be a sign of spiritual maturity. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. You're reaching for things that are like one-offs or, or extremely rare. And then you're, you're just canvassing a whole community of people that are struggling with mental illness as though they're that. Right. Yes. There's times that mental illness is a result of spiritual immaturity, but that is, that is a lazy answer. That is a lazy response by Mm -hmm. lazy Christians and lazy pastors. Yes. It is not acceptable, in my opinion, before the Lord, for any kind of pastor or saint to just dismiss people's problems and people's struggles as spiritual immaturity. Right. And she she talks in her blog about how those kind of statements caused her to inwardly start to self-reflect Am I not praying the right way? Am I saying the wrong things when I pray? You know, is God displeased with me because he's not delivering me from this? Um, You know, should I be doing more? You know, is that why I'm being saddled with this depression? You know, to where she stopped going to her leadership because that's all she got from them was there's something she's not doing. Sure. Well, I can tell you right now that there's a, a wonderful woman of the Lord that I counsel with from time to time. And she struggles with the mental illness, schizophrenia. It's been in her life for many, many, many years. Now this woman is in the altar. I I would venture to say every single time she's at church. And I don't know verbatim what her prayers are, but yet I do know Every time she's in that altar, she is praying that God would heal her mind and heal her 
mental health struggles that she comes up against. But this woman hasn't backslid. This woman hasn't cursed God. She hasn't given up. I mean, but she has went through the stress, the anxiety. She has went through the fears and the, the depression of, you know, and the questions, why won't you heal me, God? Am I not good enough? Or what, you know, she's beat herself up in condemnation, you know, and said, well, what have I done to deserve this, Lord? Am I that bad of a person? Right. She's been through all of all of the emotions right. that people struggle with. And if I was to ever approach her and say, well, sis, you know, this is just a sign that you're spiritually immature would be so inappropriate and so unlearned because schizophrenia, there is biological problems here in the brain. And she is trying to be as mature as she can be with her physical struggles. And, oh, that that just makes me upset that somebody would just dismiss it so easy. Mental illness is a sign of spiritual immaturity. So I don't want to keep beating a dead horse here. But um, yeah, if your church is faced with a mental illness situation, please, please, if you don't know how to respond, get your pastor, get a hold of somebody that, uh, you know, an elder in the church, get a hold of mom or dad or a counselor, talk to somebody because spiritual immaturity is just not the response we need to give in love. And we, you mentioned earlier, you know, our local church here and, and I having the ABLE ministry, which I know is a UPCI wide ministry that they have started for the special needs, which includes mental health. And we have that here at our local church. But it's interesting to note that they have these national calls where all of the, you know, the ABLE leadership at the various churches across the the movement get on these calls and we have apostolic women that are asking to not be included in those national able calls with other women they recognize or live near because they don't want to have to speak about either their own issues or issues in their families in front of people that they know and to me, that is heartbreaking and frustrating that we have created this mindset amongst the people of God that we cannot tra- transparently speak about things that we're struggling with for fear of judgment and ridicule from our fellow apostolic people around us. If you're listening right now to this, you need to know, or if you know people that are struggling with this, just tell them to come listen to this or, or just tell them the synopsis of what we're talking about here because I'm telling you this, what you see on the outside with apostolics and their, their pretty little families and their pretty little ecosystem that they have built within a church, I'm telling you that it is a front, that yes. they're all struggling. There's mental health issues somewhere in that community, and it's greater than 25%. Right. And, and yeah. And it's it's sad that the only time it seems to come up is when something like this happens. Right. When we have a pastor's wife that ends her life because of depression. And then, you know, now everyone wants to say, oh, if you want to talk, you know, if you need someone to talk to, I'm here. Well, where are you all the other times? Right. You know? Like, where have you been, you know, between the last time this happened and now? You know, it's just sad that, again, only 27% of our churches 
have a well-established plan to help these people. Sure. This should not be happening. I agree. I agree. It should not be happening. And the Bible, it does speak on mental health issues, but it doesn't explicitly speak on the topic, like calling it mental health. Mm. So we've got to really pay attention to what the Bible is saying. And I'd like to speak a little bit about how the Bible addresses mental health issues. And this isn't exclusive, you know, or an exhaustive, you know, research here. This is just a couple of points I want to touch on. The Bible does have a lot to say when it comes to the heart, when it comes to the mind, when it comes to spiritual brokenness and the condition of the soul. Mm-hmm. Mental health is important and it affects the whole being. The scripture in Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. So this shows us, you know, out of the heart comes a lot of these conditions, okay? So I want to start right in the beginning. Genesis 2, 18 through 24, this is what the Word of God says. Then the Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. I will make a helper who is just right for him. So the Lord right here in Genesis 2, he looks at Adam, and he immediately acknowledges that it's not good for man to be alone. Isolation, yep. Yeah, Adam is is all alone, and he is not talking about sexual situations here for the man. So all those that are thinking that's what this is, it isn't. He's looking at Adam and his life, and as you just said, Jody, you know, it's isolation. He's alone. He's in his head too much, right? Well, and we talked about that in previous episodes about how we as human beings were not created to be alone and to be isolated. And this is proving that exactly right here. Right. Even the Lord from the very beginning looked at the mental health of Adam. I mean, this is before Eve is around. I mean, that's how early mental health and its concern is with the Lord is from the very core of creation. And yet we ignore this within our churches. Right. But yet this issue was not ignored from God from day one. Right. This this was on his radar. Um, well, it wasn't day one. I mean, somebody's other, well, man wasn't made on day one. So what, <laughs> day six, I think? Right. So Adam is made, and God looks right not right then and there at his mental health. Yeah. Notice he's not looking at his, how much he's praying. He's not looking at how much he's worshiping him. He's looking at his mental health. The Lord looked at Adam's mental health, and that's what he wants us to do with ourselves and with one another. That, you know, as Christ looks on us, we should look on others and look at their mental health concerns. He says, I will make a helper who is just right for him. Verse 19. So the Lord God formed from the ground all the wild animals, all the birds of the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And Adam chose a name for each one. So Adam's working. He's he's not a bum here. He's not on God's welfare. He's working, even though he doesn't have anybody there with him. He's doing this self-motivation. He's naming all the the livestock and the birds of the sky. Verse 20, he gave names to all of them, but still there was no helper just right for him. So God is noticing that he's lonely, yeah. that he's he's doesn't feel completed, that he needs something more than just work to occupy his time. So the Lord God caused man to fall asleep 
into a deep sleep. And while the man slept, the Lord God took out one of the man's rib and he closed up the opening. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib and he brought her to the man. So now Eve is being presented to Adam for the first time. And and get this, Genesis 2.23. And if you want to read the version I'm reading, this is the New Living Translation, okay? This is how it describes Adam's words when he sees Eve, his wife. He says, at last. He's been waiting. Like Finally. Yeah. I mean. <laughs> yeah. And what's that song, at last? Uh, my love has come along. <laughs> yeah, my love has come along. Like, that happened in the Garden of Eden when Adam, he sees a woman. And, and what he's saying is, at last, I have somebody who's... I can talk to somebody yes. I can have a relationship yes. with. I can have a friendship. I can have somebody to to talk to when I'm having a bad day, when I'm when I'm lonely at last. So the mental health of Adam is just shown here if you really just take time to look at this. It's right here before our eyes. He says this one is bone from my bone and flesh from my flesh. She will be called woman because she was taken from man. And in verse 24, it says this explains. And what he's talking about is God looking at Adam's mental health, seeing that there was a need, creating a need for the mental health, creating a companion, a partner in this life. And it says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one because it is the plan of God that each individual is not alone but has people in their life to help them with the mental health, the anxieties, the fears, the struggles of feeling like you're not good enough. I mean, and this is coming right from the beginning of the Bible. This is We didn't have to go very far to find a mental health issue. We went to the second chapter of Genesis. We're not we're not deep into the book of Zechariah and right. you know Malachi and we're 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 right here in Genesis chapter two and the and it's it's an issue it's from a problem point, from the point of creation. In fact, I've never even thought of this, and as I'm sitting here, I, I I feel it. If maybe I'm wrong in this, but somebody looked this up. This is I think the first issue Adam ever had was mental health. Mm-hmm. So the first problem Adam has isn't eating the fruit and sinning, that problem's coming. Right. The first issue is loneliness. And by his words, at last, I mean, that tells us that it was on his mind. He was waiting for He it. was waiting for her, waiting for Anticipating that. it. Right. I mean, I never thought about that. And, and that is, I mean, okay, so I, I guess I blow my own mind. Like, wow, like, I've never even thought of that. And I, it's not in our notes here that Adam, his first it- issue is, is a mental health it, issue. Right. Wow. I have never thought of that either. So I, I feel the Lord, it's right on point, you mm-hmm. know, but the Lord is the one who renews our mind. Romans 12, two says this, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that by testing, you may discern what is the will of God and what is good is acceptable and perfect. So it says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, which means that the mind is the place of attack, you know, where worries come in and yes. fears come in and doubts come in. And it's where the enemy attacks. Yeah. You can get a hold of your mind. That's why mental health is so important that we take care of our minds. I mean, when you start second guessing yourself, it's in your mind. Yep. yep. You know, self-doubt, right? That's where it takes place. And so renewing that mind. Now, 
this, this goes back to people will just be like, well, that's what we mean by being spiritually immature. Renewing your mind is praying in the Lord, but is also thanking the Lord, taking time to, to remember what God has done for us. But right. you can remember all you want, but yet Adam, who was in a perfect state, still struggled with loneliness. Yes, he did. Was, was Adam spiritually immature there? Did God look at him and say, yeah, he's immature. We need to, we need to toughen him up. Let's give him a woman. She'll toughen him up. <laughs> I mean, that's not what happened. No. God didn't look at Adam and say, son, you are very spiritually immature. He had compassion on him. Right. And saw that there was a mental health issue. And so he, as God always does, being loving, understanding, and wise, and really seeing to the heart of the issue, said he needs a friend. He needs a wife. Someone just for him, the Bible says. Somebody that can understand what he's going through. Yeah. So the renewal of your mind can help with mental health by constantly remembering that God is there for you, that God has put people, but it's also remembering that God has put pastors in your life to help you. He's put mentors in your life. He's put mom and dad. He's put people in your life that know what you're going through to help you. So renewing your mind is we've got to renew our mind in the Lord, and that can help us. 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God gave us a spirit, not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. It is important for Christians to take the Holy Ghost that they have, take the Spirit of the Lord that's in them, and allow that spirit to speak faith to their own soul. They don't live in fear, but they have to. We have to yield, and we have to surrender to the Lord. There is responsibility on our part to help our the state of our mental health. We can't just totally give in to our own fears. Right. right. We can't just give in to depression. We right. just can't surrender every time we 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 have a panic attack. Right. We've got to pick ourselves up and not give in to that fear. But sometimes that means going to a clinicals, you know, counselor and or clinical therapist and talking through some things, right? right? And it doesn't make you less of a Christian. And it that's not giving into a spirit of fear no, either. No. That takes some courage it's to go recognizing, and see a therapist. Right. It's recognizing that this is bigger than you, you need help. Yeah. And it says but a power, love and self-control. And so the other, you know, side to that coin of not giving into fear is to have self-control that we can control, we can't control everything that happens to us, right? but we can control our responses to it. Absolutely. Now, if we have mental health issues that will help our response sometimes be harder to do, but with repetition of praying to the Lord, renewing our mind, trusting that the spirit of God that's in us will overcome our own spirit of fear, and having control where we make it. This is how the Bible helps us with mental health issues to, to give us a path where we can overcome some of these issues. He says in 1 Peter 5, 7, casting all your anxieties on him, that's Jesus, because he cares for you. So this is a command in scripture that says to cast, not some of our anxieties, all of them, all of them. on the Lord. Cast them. That means to throw them, not to hold them out and say, here, Lord. It says to cast them on him. Right. You know, with with 
energy and with expectations that you're going to throw them far enough where they're not coming back. Right. So we've got to trust the Lord with the problems we're going through. I, I guess the question I would have for people is I know that there's a fear sometimes to talk to your pastor or talk to leadership or talk to the elders. Have we talked to the Lord about these? Because right. he already knows. Right. But are we even embarrassed to even tell the Lord we're struggling with depression right. or Lord, we're struggling with self-doubt or self-deprecation and, and we just, we're just not good enough and we constantly are filled with condemnation in our mind. I mean, we've got to put that on the Lord and right. trust that he's going to um, bring us through. And I, and I want to show a biblical example here of a prophet of God, one of the greatest prophets ever to walk this earth who struggled with mental health. And that's the prophet Elijah. Okay. Mental health with Elijah. This is the story. If, if you know anything about it, first Kings 19. So Elijah is getting into uh, kind of a little war, a little scuffle with Jezebel. And okay. she tells him, she says, I'm going to kill you. Now, I'm paraphrasing here. So go, go read the actual words here. Right. That's your homework. But she says, I'm going to kill you. And now, now Elijah has just called down fire from heaven right. in front of all of Israel. He had the courage to kill the prophets of Baal. I mean, he was not a coward. He was not a weak man at all. And he wasn't weak in the faith either. I mean, he right. literally right. stood off, had a standoff with the prophets of Baal, said, dump water on my altar, dig a ditch, let the ditch fill up with water, and God's going to answer by fire. He does, and then when he, when God proves himself by the faith of Elijah, then Elijah turns in and they execute all these false prophets. Well, then when Jezebel hears about it, she's like, I'm going to kill you. Now, this man just had faith to call down fire. I, I've never been able to call down fire. I, yeah. I'm no Elijah, so he's even greater than I am. And he's greater than almost anybody I know as far as his faith and, and what he's done in his office in the Lord. But as soon as she says that, this is the where mental health kicks in. Here's this great prophet of God who just executed people, calls down fire. He turns and he runs for his life. And he is afraid of Jezebel and her army because she says, I'm going to kill you. Right. So what this shows is a rock-solid man of God in one day of his life can be calling down on fire and the second day be running to the hills to save his life. Afraid for his life. This is yep. mental health right there. Yeah. Where we can walk into church and we can have a Holy Ghost fire fall right. down upon us in the altar of God, be carried out in a wheelchair because we're, we're slain in the spirit, and the next day get up and be contemplating suicide. Yep. Got our head under the covers, don't want to get out of bed. Yep. Elijah did it in the Bible, and it still happens to perfectly good and wonderfully created Christians today. But God, when he looks at Elijah, it says that in verse 7 of chapter 19 of 1 Kings, it says, The angel of the Lord came again to him a second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, for the journey is too great for you. That shows that God was looking at the mental health of Elijah, and he knew that he was having a nervous breakdown. He knew that he was not in a good headspace. He was not having a good mental health day. And God says, this journey is too great for you. Let me give you something to eat to strengthen you. I don't see God here telling Elijah, man, you are spiritually immature. Right. Get up and deal with it. Yeah. 
Instead, the Lord has mercy and says, let me give you something to eat because I know that this is a great journey and I know what you've been through. And Elijah eats and Elijah continues the journey. He goes into the cave and the Lord visits him. And there, Elijah kind of has a talk with the Lord about his mental health problems. And Elijah tells him in 1 Kings 19, 14, he says, this is what Elijah is telling the Lord. He says, I've been very jealous for you, Lord, God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They've thrown down your altars. They've killed your prophets with a sword. And I, even I only am left. And they seek my life to take it away. He is having a nervous breakdown. Lord, they're going to kill me. I've been so zealous for you. I have been committed to you. I've sold out. And all of the Israel, all my family, all my friends, nobody's left. I'm only the one left. They've, they've, they've destroyed your churches. They've killed my, my brothers in the, you know, in the word of God. And I'm alone. Here it is. I'm alone, right? I'm alone. I'm yep. alone. No companion. Same By thing. Myself. Adam, right. Yep. Isolation again. He doesn't see any hope. Right. He doesn't see any way out of this. He doesn't see how God could possibly deliver him. And the Lord responds to him you know, four verses later and says, you know, Elijah, I have 7,000 in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal and every mouth that has not kissed him. He said, Elijah, I've got 7,000 people just like you. You think you're alone, but you're not. I got 7,000 people. And, you know, Elijah goes on and, 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 you know, has a, you know, the relationship with the Lord just keeps growing. But I mean, if Elijah can struggle with mental health, why do we think that nowadays ourselves, the saints in the church, our brothers and sisters aren't struggling as well? I mean, how many times people come in and they're they're on fire for God, they're getting involved in choir, they're getting involved in their youth groups, they're getting involved, you know, in 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 ushering in the maintenance crew at church, you know, the welcoming committee, and then they're struggling, you know, the next week. It's not like, oh, they're spiritually mature, immature. It's people go through some mental health issues. Right. Life is still life. You know, I mean, things still, you can, you know, you can, we didn't talk about this earlier, but sometimes mental health is, is not a chronic thing. Like sure, just because you're not in bed every other day, can't get out of bed, can't take care of your family, can't take care of yourself because you're depressed does not mean that you don't have a depressed episode. You know, grief can cause you to become depressed. And so sometimes you experience a mental health issue and you don't even realize it sometimes, I guess, you know? Well, and that's, that's like Saul, right? Saul in the Bible, it says that an evil spirit would come on him and he would sit there in depression. He would become angry. He would become upset and he didn't know why. And it says in first Samuel 16, 14, that an evil spirit tormented him. And it says he only found relief when David played the lyre for him, you know, like a harp. Right. And the spirit of God would then come on Saul. There is mental health issues sometimes because sometimes it is spiritual. Right. It's not always spiritual, people. But sometimes it can be. And it says that when he listened to good, anointed, inspired of God music, that he felt better. And folks, with if you've got mental health issues or you know people who are struggling with mental health issues, the last thing that they need to be listening to is like death music and right. depressing music. Right. Music affects our nerves. It affects our anxieties. 
right? Mm -hmm. If you want to get pumped up before a sports event, you play pumped up music, right? Or if you're going to work out, you want workout music. Right. And so music can affect things. And so if you listen to godly music, you know, good gospel choir or, you know, your favorite gospel hymn, you know, that those words that are talking about the Lord, talking about his goodness, talking about his mercy can come in and mentally soothe our soul. So sometimes we need to really pay attention to what we're listening to when we're having mental health issues. And that is, that is very true. And I can speak to this personally because there have been, you know, just like we just said, people go through things and they, and they have, you know, episodes of depression or anxiety. And there have been times in my own personal life where there were some pretty dark times you know, and I've said this before, and I'll always stand by it, that there were times when thoughts, you know, we talk about your mind, thoughts would come in, they'd start racing through my mind, you know, trying to take me back, or, you know, get me back to that place where things were not good. And I would start singing audibly out loud, like, like, like you just said, songs, you know, from church, choir songs, whatever. I wouldn't just think them. I would literally start singing audibly out loud acapella in my car, wherever I happened to be, because I found that when my mind would shift focus to the words I was singing, the lyrics, and then it was no longer thinking about, you know, that dark time in my life. So I can testify that that is, that is, it works. It really does. Yep. So I said earlier, right? That when, when you made the statement, and I keep going back to it, but it is what it is, you know, that if they weren't so spiritually immature, you know, then this mental illness wouldn't be here. And I said, well, there is a time with that that would be true, but it's like one-offs. And this is what I was talking about at, at, when I made that statement. So here we are. There's a man um, from Gerasen, and he is possessed by demons. And Jesus comes over, and it says, when Jesus casts these demons out— And this is in Mark chapter 5. It says the man after the demons had been cast out was then in his right mind. So the spiritual battle had been won and the man's mental health had been restored. Now, this I would attribute to being spiritually immature. If you're spiritually immature, you can then obviously be possessed by demons. Right. Because you're not just, there's spiritually people who are spiritually immature, but they're not necessarily immature people. And so they're not necessarily opening themselves up to be possessed, but there are immature people, just an immature, naive, maybe a a better nerve, a better word, who are naive to the workings of the spirit realm and can open themselves up to be possessed. Now this isn't everyone and it's more rare than it is normal. And so there is occasions where you could say, well, if you weren't so spiritually immature, you would not struggle with mental illness. Right. Well, and like you just, like you just said earlier, it's a lazy excuse because I think too many times people want to use that of, you know, every mental, every mental health battle is a spiritual one. And we've already established that it's not, but I think people take examples like this, you know, the man um, who was possessed and, and just kind of automatically assume that anytime someone is struggling with something in their mind, that it's a spiritual battle. Sure. And you just need to pray about it. Yep. It's definitely requires some maturity to discern 
where kind of the angle and attack from from the enemy is coming and in dealing with mental illness. But sometimes, sometimes it is that they are possessed with a demon. But those times we love to use that. But let's be real. How many apostolics have actually ever come in contact with somebody who's been possessed uh, by a devil? Now, as soon as I say that, there'll be people, oh, I see it all the time. Right. Uh, look, in in my walk with God, I'm talking coming across somebody that had a demon in them. Mm-hmm. I remember one time in, well, I've been serving God for over 30 years. So one time in 30 years. I, I can remember two. Right. And I've been in church my entire life. So that's not common. Right. right. And so it, like I said, and you reiterated, it's lazy to just go there. Right. Okay. But yes, yes, it can happen, but it is rare. So think on these things. That's what Philippians 4, 8, he says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think on these things. So the Bible is trying to tell us for the sake of our mental health, we need to think on things that are lovely, things that are excellent, things that are pure, things that are True. honorable. Right. To not think on what's going to happen. Like, uh, if I do this and the sky's going to fall or, you know, or all bad things, I just expect bad things to happen. I right. expect to fail. Right. We've got to expect God to come by instead because the scripture says this, and this is one of the greatest, in my opinion, uh, most positive, encouraging scriptures in the entire Bible. And it directly addresses mental health. Yes. And that is Psalm 34, 18. This is a powerful, powerful verse. It says, the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And the brokenhearted person and the crushed in spirit, I can't think of a better definition of somebody that is in a bad, bad mental state. Mental yes. state. Yes. And when you are in the worst mental state, I mean, the brokenhearted, that's mental, right? That's that's the psyche, right. the crushed in spirit. The Again, grief and the depression, yes. Right. That, it says, when, when you are there, when you're in the worst place mentally you've ever been, it says that the Lord will draw near to you. What a promise we have. Amen. That That mm-hmm. is, the, you need to write this, the scripture down, you need to memorize it. The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. God addresses in his word mental health issues. It's not uh, it's not a separation like you know, like church and state, like church and mental health. It's not a separation. The Bible addresses it. And so that leads us here as, as we're getting ready to kind of close this down a little bit. So mental health in the church, what can we do? So some things that the church can do is to practice active listening. You know, we talked about the art of communication yeah. when we in that episode a little bit about this. Mm active listening to practice it. So when somebody talks of thoughts of hopelessness or feeling worthless, you know, the best thing we can do is to take a moment, put down our phone, close our laptop and let that person know that we're listening. Right. And that they're not alone. Another thing we can do is that encouragement makes a difference. So we can practice active listening with our church brothers and sisters and we can encourage them. So those that are dealing with milder forms of depression or anxieties, 
you know, we can do positive interactions with them. So rather than judging or criticizing, telling them they're not living (laughs) the the Christian life they should, and maybe you just need to pray more. Right. Instead of taking that approach that we as sons and daughters of the Lord together should have compassion, you know, maybe put our arm around their shoulder and tell them, you know, hey, sis, hey, brother, I'm, I'm praying for you. Right. And I believe in you. I believe that God is in control. I believe that God's gone before you. And I, actually pray for them. Right. Don't just offer lip right. service. And and I'm glad you said that because so many times, and I'm guilty of this, right? I'll be praying for you. Why not just write that in there? Right. So you know what? Would you mind if I pray right now? Right. And I'll continue to pray for you, but let's pray together right now. Right. Uh, um, another thing we can do is to be honest with and about ourselves that people can readily identify what's wrong with others, right? We can look at other people and we're mm-hmm. like, oh yeah, they're struggling. We can see our brothers and sisters who are not having a good day, but frequently we can't see it in our own life or right. we're not willing to be self-aware. Right. So we all have mental health issues and we need to become self-aware and be honest about it with ourselves. The fourth thing we can do is to don't hesitate to seek professional help. If there's depression that keeps coming and anxieties and, you know, chronic schizophrenia or bipolar disorder, you know, borderline personality disorder, if, if there's more pronounced um, mental health issues that right. are going on, by all means, I encourage you to please seek professional help. Right. I mean, listening to, you know, Sister Praise a lot over in the corner is phenomenal. And God can use Sister, you know, right. high and lift it up all the time. Right. But there is definitely room to go see, you know, a, a clinical therapist um, or a doctor. I would highly encourage anybody that thinks that they might be struggling with depression, uh, anxiety, things of these. Because as much, yeah, because as much as your leadership or your, you know, fellow brothers and sisters in the church, as much as they can have compassion for you and encourage you and pray for you, that doesn't, they're not licensed professionals in most cases. Right. They don't, you know, this is not their area of expertise. And so as much as they can do all that and you need that and we need to be doing that, that, that should never replace, you know, the, the need for professional help if, if you need it. Yep. And the fifth thing everybody can probably try to do, and I, I think this is where churches also need to really become proactive in, is consider a local church counseling partnership. Um, our church does do this. And what this means is explore if you guys can partner with a local counseling center for people, you know, to receive treatment. And now we are very blessed. My mother is a licensed uh, clinical therapist. She's phenomenal. Right. And so <laughs> we kind of have that in our backyard. Right. But like every third Thursday in our church, it's ran by her, you know, a licensed therapist. So it's it's above board. It's professional. You know, we've got a, a group meeting for uh, special needs and mental health issues. Yep. And um, we have people coming from the community all over. People driving an hour away to come to this. Yes. So consider that within your churches, you know, and all of this is work. It's not easy. It's awkward at times. It's uncomfortable, but the impact and the change of lives and watching the Lord touch mental health is just, I I can't express it enough. I could continue talking, but I know we've kind of got to wrap this up, 
but considered if you don't have anything in your church to help minister uh, to special needs, to mental health issues, please, by all means, consider uh, getting in touch. You can get in touch with myself, my wife, with somebody, your pastor. Get in touch with somebody that can help you get going on this. Absolutely. Today we have discussed mental health as we wrap up. We've discussed mental health and how incredibly important it is that we recognize when we're, we're struggling with it and that we take it seriously. Mental health is every bit as important as our physical health, and we need to change the perspective of it in, our, in the religious world. It is okay to not be okay. Mental illness is not a personal or even a spiritual failure, and it is absolutely nothing to be embarrassed about. So if you or someone you know is struggling with a mental health issue, be it depression, suicidal thoughts, whatever the case may be, don't be afraid to get some help. And there's a variety of resources available, but, you know, some of the most prevalent that we wanted to include as we wrap up the podcast is the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That number is 1-800-273-8255. You can also call the National Alliance for Mental Health at 1-800-950-6264. These are just two of the national hotlines that are available with counselors and people there for to talk to and to direct you if you're struggling with suicidal thoughts or mental health issues. Seek counseling from your pastor, as we've said, from your church leadership Don't be afraid to go to them and admit that you are struggling. Again, this is not something to be embarrassed about. Locate professional help if necessary through your local county health department. Almost every county has a county health department with resources that are available for people that are struggling with mental health. Remember that you do not have to suffer in silence or alone. Yeah, it's so important. Please, again, if you are feeling the urge for suicide or know people, please, please don't be embarrassed. Pick up the phone. Call these numbers. Um, Again, the Suicide Prevention Lifeline, 1-800-273-8255, and National Alliance for Mental Health is 1-800-950-6264. And in conclusion, I'd, I'd just like us to pray right now for mental health within our church and within our friends and I would encourage everyone to pray along. Just uh, begin to open our hearts right now. Lord, we ask you in the name of Jesus, you know the people that are struggling with mental health issues. Lord, these are very real issues. God, I know that you see where man cannot see. You know thoughts that no one else can know. You know the struggles, Lord, that are hidden in the darkest corners of our life and in our mind. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that your spirit would help the mental health issues in your sons and daughters right now. God, I pray a perfect 100% healing, Lord, on people that are struggling. God, I pray your miraculous healing touch, Lord, upon these wonderful, blessed people. Let them overcome by the blood of the Lamb, Lord. I believe you're able, I believe you're willing, and I believe you know and you care. In the name of Jesus, I pray, Lord, Just go before us all like you always do. Lord, I give you thanks. I give you praise. And I want to thank each and every one of you for listening and for giving us your time. We love and appreciate you so much. And we hope you join us for the next podcast. God bless you all.